You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. Hello and welcome to episode 226 of Around the Lens. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Joining me this week are my regular co-host, Travis Keyes. Travis Keyes is a freelance portrait, fashion, travel, event, humanitarian photographer, and chairman of APA New York. He's also based out of New York State. Uh, welcome, Travis. Hey, guys. What's going on? Sorry, I, I got uh, distracted in my own head there, thinking about all kinds of wonderful things going sound, on. Sound like you know? an ice machine was going on. <laughs> things going on I don't your know side. where that was. <laughs> Wait, I'm here. <laughs> where am I? Glad to have you, Travis, as always. Uh, our guest panelist this week, making her first appearance on the show, is Eva Veerbeek. Uh, Eva is a freelance documentary photographer based out of Brussels, Belgium. Hello, Eva. Hi. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. I am David J. Murphy, a freelance photojournalist and documentary filmmaker based out of South Korea. So let's just get on with the show and start with our first topic this week. And if you looked at the show notes for this week's show, you might think they were a little bit nihilistic because honestly, you know, in, in always my weekly struggle to try and find good things for us to talk about, you know, uh, this week I was just like finding the most potentially depressing topics you could think of. But I think there's hope. And, and you know, again, they, they raise interesting sort of points. So we'll talk about those over the course of tonight's program. Um, so the first topic that I chose is basically the end of photography. And of course I'm being sort of a little bit, um, how do I say, dramatic when I say that. But I thought it was interesting here. You know, of course we're in this new world of COVID and, you know, the inability in some cases to even go outside your home to do an assignment unless you're essentially being contracted by a, a news organization. But, um, you know, certain uh, things have to go on, like publications have to go on. Gucci still has to sell their expensive clothing, and they still have to um, have their models photographed wearing their clothing. Well, the the way they got around this, where they, you know, of course, models and clothing, you know, fancy expensive clothing, is that really an essential? Can they really justify sending someone out into the, you know, the COVID world and potentially get infected to shoot some photographs of models? Uh, they didn't think so. So what they did was they sent f cameras to different models and allowed them to shoot themselves. You know, there was no photographer, no makeup artist or hairdresser or stylist or assistants, just the models, the clothes and the camera. And so I'm looking at here a bunch of actually, you know, very well put together uh, shots, I think. Um, of again these models wearing you know these clothes and, and all of these shots have sort of uh, you know, surprisingly enough uh, a, a decent theme in terms of their style going through them like they all look like they could be from the same set in a sense you know of course there's differences based on you know of course what the limitations of the actual model were with regard to the you know set in their house or whatnot but for the most part I think they've done a pretty good job of you know, compiling a decent photo shoot out of, you know, again, the photographer setting up their own camera equipment, you know, you know, shooting their own coffin or sorry, their own uh, uh, photograph. So what that made me think, is this the end of photography? Is this the end of the photographer? Is, you know, is Travis Keyes now out of work because, 
we're going to send a camera to, you know, a model and let them or a, or a celebrity or somebody and tell them, hey, set it up like this. Um, so we'll throw it over to you, Travis, because you're, you're more the commercial photographer. What do you, what do you think of this story and, and kind of the concept of, you know, essentially cutting out the middleman? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, it, 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 these things always kind of in, in the days of everything changing and new technologies and, and, and world happenstance, uh, you know, when radio was the, the prime thing and TV came along, suddenly like radio people never work again. No, they migrated into TV. They, there's just, it's just going to change. And I think this may weed out some of the, the generic uh, photographers that don't have a true vision or voice but you, the, the photographers that really understand the camera and the language of photography and using the camera as you know a tool to really kind of tell a story and how lenses affect you know um you know compression and what they do to an environment you, you can't just hand that off to anyone and have them understand it so the power of photography is still strong with you know the photographers that really understand that and have studied it and and, and mastered it you know through hours and hours you can hand a, you know an iphone to people and yeah sure you'll get good shots but the one thing about a photographer is they're able to use that tool in ways and understand how to use it and uh and tell a story and it's uh it's a very different uh way of doing things i mean any, anyone can get a good picture but a, a good photographer is able to repeat it and understand how to do it uh, you know on a, on a given day uh any given yeah, day absolutely I, I think there's always going to be that place where you know you need somebody who's the expert in their field but you know for instance in this series it was uh, art directed by christopher simmons and so he directed the photographer or i guess the the models with the camera and stuff like that so you know i wonder if in instead of the photographer being the focal point it's now just the art director you know coordinating with the you know perhaps the the photographer or the the model in this case where they're in a sense just perhaps putting them on a live stream and saying okay tilt the camera a little bit to the left to the right up okay zoom in zoom out i don't know but um you know i'm sure you've worked with art directors in your line of work right yeah, absolutely, um, and uh, you know it, it's yeah, it, it's like you know taking the director out of a film. Mm -hmm. You know their vision, their voice. It's it's just going to ultimately change. You know the end result, uh, and that you know what makes a you know the unique vision and voice of photography is the person behind that camera. You know it's like they say. You know in photography, the most important part of a camera in a photographer is the you know ten inches behind right. the lens. And uh, there's a reason for that. It's because, you know, we, you can tell an art director, you know, it's like, you know, when you're a shooter, you, you, you see things instantly that, you know, nothing else can yeah. see. You know, there, you, you have an interaction and, uh, and an understanding that is very different than any other, anyone else that uh, could possibly do it. Now, maybe if an art director used to be a photographer, he can see certain things. But once again, he should be looking through the lens. But now with technology, people can tether and see, you know, their own screen and stuff like that. There's definitely ways it's going to be used. And I think uh, because of COVID and, and the way things are, uh, sets and studios and the way clients and uh, people interact is going to change a little bit. And uh, there will be a lot more remote stuff and, uh, and distancing of people. And uh, it's 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 a future that we're trying to figure out now. And I think, you know, where photographers were all um on one playing field yesterday that field has now changed and we're sort of now pioneers of a new frontier yeah. so uh it's really up to us and the people that really want to kind of change this world and understand it right now is the time to do that well what's your experience been like working with art directors in general like you know 
in the world of you know commercial photography what's what's it like to work with an art director are they giving you a lot of feedback or are they basically giving you sort of free reign to do what you want to do uh, it's, it's just like anything else uh, it's a you know you, you work with some that are great and some that have egos and some that are you know the collaborative process is unbelievable uh i i love working with teams and i think the collaborative uh uh world of, of art and uh, commercialism it can be fantastic and and a joy you know when you put a team together that really have a great vision and worked well together boy amazing things come out of yeah, it absolutely you know uh, eva you've worked on a lot of interesting projects you know you've, you've you've done some stuff about you know farmers and whatnot do you think uh you ever see the day where the you know the the major publications are just sending out cameras out to farmers and telling them hey go go set up a, a tripod and just film yourself uh, working with that horse <laughs> Or do you think you're always going to be um, the, the need for I the documentary photojournalist? I think, I mean, as a documentary photojournalist, there's something that y you're, you're removed from the scene, but you're also fully incorporated in the scene. Because you're spending time with people, you're trying to look for a story or trying to translate a story with um, a couple of images, and that takes time. And the farmer that's working really hard and has, like, 14-hour workdays, I don't think they really want to, like, set up a camera and photograph themselves working. I just don't foresee that being something that would happen in the documentary world. I do think, though, that the ability for subjects to photograph themselves within a story is really interesting. It could just bring a very different perspective and something that um, is just something that maybe we haven't seen as much and um, it could bring their voice more to a story. So I think that brings an interesting perspective to our our way of looking at different news stories or different documentary photo photojournalism or any type of documentary work. Um, we do a lot of filmmaking, or I, I've done some filmmaking over the past years, and even in documentary filmmaking, that's an inter interesting thing to think about like what if we let people film themselves are we going to see things that we wouldn't see if we were there with our camera because we can't be there at all times yeah. and so those are just interesting i just think this whole situation how incredibly inconvenient it is and how sad it is for a lot of people it can push our field into reinventing itself and finding different ways to create content that might be very interesting for us to look at and for us to, I don't know, maybe develop even more. I think that's one of the most interesting points right now is that we are, you know, especially in the USA and, and many parts of the world, we are, we're mass consumers of content. And when you put all of these content creators in, you know, limited space where they can't go out and normally do what they would do, uh, you have to find out new ways to do that. And I know certainly um, you look at the, how people are adapting. I mean, you look at uh, uh, just American Idol, for example, <clears throat> that uh, records all their shows, you know, people making it to the final live shows and, and they build up to the live shows where everybody performs on this live stage. Well, they got up to that and then COVID kind of closed that all down. They had, well, we have all these contestants in Wait, we can't do a live show. We can't put them in the same room. What are we going to do? They put packs together with iPhones and lighting and microphones, and they sent them out to each of the contest the contestants, uh, and they sang remotely, and they put on a show. So suddenly they did exactly what you were saying. They sent out gear to someone to create that content, and they put on the live show, which is in this day and age is pretty amazing. It was no uh, – um, it didn't it – didn't, 
capture the same essence. It was so different, and it it was it didn't have the same vibe or, or connection as that live show. But they were able to figure out a way to do it. And I know uh, I was uh, on my, one of my other shows, Open Talk. I had some photographers, and they were sending packs of uh, you know lighting and camera gear and audio to different uh, influencers and sports people and stuff like that. And they were creating content and commercial stuff for like Nike and stuff like that. So right now it's a necessity to send these kind of packs out. But once I think the artist and the photographer and the storyteller can get back out there, those are the ones that tell the compelling stories and that really cannot, you know, can't, you can't quite duplicate that with just sending a pack to someone that's never really studied all of that. No, I think, I think right. there definitely needs to be a guidance and direction given it. You know, in this t- instance, I'm sure the art director, or maybe even photographers were, you know, involved in sort of this process. And it kind of made me think like, let's say Travis, they wanted you to do a shoot, right, with a, a subject. And they want you to guide the subject because, you know, they're not a photographer. You are. You understand framing, light, motion, all that good fun stuff. How would you direct someone remotely? You sent, you know, the the camera, the tripod, all the parts are in the the box. They've arrived at the, the subject's house. How would you, what would you do? What would Travis Keys do to direct that person to set up a good shot? Um, I mean, it's the same thing we would do anywhere. It's just, you know, we're, we're slightly limited by the, the views that we have. So, I mean, if you can set up two cameras, one an overview of the room and one, you know, your, your actual camera, you can kind of see, get an overview of what's going on and where they can go with it. And then you have your, you know, your camera, which we're used to looking through a single camera anyway to see you know, what the viewpoint we want as an artist and as a photographer or a video maker. Um, and, uh, you know, we understand light and what looks better and, and all that. So actually, you know, um, I've actually played around with that with some friends right now because the, everybody's zooming it right now. So in Zoom, that you can actually take over someone's computer, which is kind of cool. So if you have a photographer friend or people like that, you can actually go in and use their software, whether it be Capture One or something like that, and take pictures and change their camera settings. So you can kind of do this remote. So I've actually played with that a little. And it's fun, you know. It's like and, – and, is a clear difference when you're you're talking to someone that understands photography and lighting. You know, if I'm talking to a photographer friend, I'm like, oh, change the light to here and put this here and, and look towards here and they understand it. But to kind of change your your translation to someone that doesn't understand angles and lighting and stuff like that, then you have to really come up with a new language how to explain it to the person you're talking to on the other end. It's like, all right, you need to do this. You need to like, set the light here and turn it down, you know, one stop. I'm like, well, what's one stop? I'm like, oh, all right, take the knob. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, it's just we need to kind of do the language. And it, it, you can come up with some great shots, but it doesn't, you know, it's not, no uh, replacement for actually shooting them live and in person. Yeah, I was thinking if I could send someone like a full, like, pan, tilt, zoom camera setup. And I could remotely adjust everything from my end and just have them, you know, put it up in the corner. Like you said, set up a camera so I can see the room or the location. Maybe do the, like a little live stream call with them to kind of get the get the different background options. You know, for instance, again, in this Gucci shoot, you know, the, the backgrounds aren't too uh, exotic here. I'd say probably the most complicated shot of this whole setup would have been the overhead shot of the guy who's, you know, or gal, I don't know, uh, who is on top of the, it looks like the roof of her shed or something, or a, it looks like a train um, train car at first, but it looks like some sort of shed or something. But I thought that would probably be the most complicated because the camera is so far away from the subject. So if there's any sort of manipulation to the image or the, the you know, the framing, you'd be like, okay, go up and tilt the camera a little bit. But yeah, I think a full... I mean, what's what's kind of crazy is 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 
a lot of things with fashion and uh, editorial, we can actually make this work and people really won't know the difference. But uh, what you're doing is like you can't take a documentary camera or reporting a story and suddenly see that story and and do it remotely. It's uh, I mean, could you even imagine doing that? I think I mean, I was thinking about that the other day and I think it would be I mean, it would be incredibly difficult to do that in certain aspects of the work i think it would be interesting if there's already a story existing to incorporate some things that are further away or start incorporating more writing or audio or anything like that um but if you're starting out a story and you know you want people to feel comfortable you want to if you have if you're allowed the time you want to have that time with that person so that there's this trust that's built and i have a hard time believing that that would be easy to do over zoom or over skype to really connect with somebody and like feel them out and see like okay i might trusting up this person to have them walk around with me and photograph whatever i do and so that all that always takes time and i want to take that time as a photographer so i was thinking about that the other day like how would you do that how would you go about it but I think as photographers and content makers, we are often very resourceful. And so there's always a way of like, okay, we want to do this. We want to bring this story or we want to make this image. How can we make it work? How can we use technology or cameras in a way that would benefit us? And I, I really, I think if you are met with an assignment or you have an idea for something, there's always, or there's often a way to, I don't know, try to manipulate something to get the like get the um the result you would want like even if that would be through more audio or filming or sending a camera i don't know but it definitely this time brings up a lot of questions of what are you what are you doing and is if another pandemic breaks out or this goes down and goes back up again how will you reinvent your job um so yeah, it's it's very it's interesting. And I think the Gucci shoot is I think it's really well made and it's really well captured and it does bring up a lot of challenges for fashion photography in the sense that it'll make a lot of photographers maybe wonder what they could do to reinvent themselves and do something different for the industry that makes them unique. Let me ask you this. So, uh, Eva, you know, you've traveled around the world, captured some of these projects, you know, whether they be commissioned or personal, you know, Africa and whatnot. Um, you know, I was thinking from a, you know, not necessarily obviously like the Gucci shoot, but just in general, you know, have you ever encountered folks who you've worked with who perhaps would rather just send a camera to find someone who's local to the story or local on the ground or someone associated with it to capture the image? You know, where, where is the sort of dividing line between that and, and hiring and commissioning someone, you know, to fly halfway across the world to cover a story? So, we're, you know, for, if you know from your experience and working with different, like, photo directors, you know, how that has kind of played out. Oh, it's all about budget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, there is a certain skill that comes along with using a photograph for that many years and constantly thinking thinking about it and constantly seeing other people's photographs and doing research on stories that have been very important in this world. And so I think 
that skill, just as Travis said before, that's something unique because you train yourself and you continuously work at what you're doing. And so if you give a camera to someone that doesn't use it often or has never used it, it might give you different images, but certain magazines or certain publications are looking for your aesthetic to fit with their magazine or their publication. Right. And so they find your voice in it may be interesting as well. And that all together, I think, makes a, makes a story by a photographer or by a writer or by a, a documentary filmmaker unique because they are looking for that specific, um, the way that story looks or the way that story is approached. You yeah, know, I have heard stories of different sort of news agencies like AP or Reuters or whatever, you know, actually trying to hire, you know, people local in certain regions of the world where they didn't have any coverage whatsoever. So they would just give somebody a camera so they would have something in the case you know a story broke out in that region but obviously with your stories which are more detailed and obviously you know you're planning these in advance and you're covering these longer form stories um, it's a little bit different right mm -hmm. I think so yeah like uh, how long have you worked on you know like for instance the the looking for water story how long of a story was that for you um, it's an ongoing project, so I'm still working on this project. Um, I've been working in Kenya and Ethiopia for that project, and this year will be year six. Wow. Yes. So um, the first year I worked on it was only doing research and living with people. didn't really photograph that much. I, um, it was a big challenge to find, to find someone I like to work with who... Um, who lives there and who trusts me and who um, who really wanted to do this project together with me? His name is Zoom Zoom. He's um, a local a local guide down there, so he's been helping me. Um, we plan all these different visits, and then we try to stay with everybody um, for an extended period of time. And so we stay at communities that are currently. Uh, facing climate migration so they are lacking water in the regions that they live so it's a it's been a really long process and the more that we're involved in the more we go back it really brings different things to the surface because there's more trust and there's also the you're away for a certain amount of time which creates you really see the difference if you've like gone away and you come back and you go away and you come back so it um yeah, it's been interesting. And I, I mean, and not with every project. That's not possible with every project, obviously. But it, um, yeah, that was one of the projects I've been still, I'm still working on it, but it's one of the longest going ones, yeah. Okay, great, great. Well, let's go ahead and move on from one uh, topic to another, and this one being a little bit less, I would say, uh, optimistic. Um, this is all about Olympus. So Olympus recently closed or exited, decided to exit the camera market in Korea. Now, of course, we've been talking about, you know, the decline in sort of the photojournalism uh, market in terms of people trying to find work doing that type of craft. Well, you know, DSLRs and other sort of, uh, you know, camera setups, you know, the more professional camera rigs have sort of been waning in sales as well. You know, we find it year under year, you know, Canon, Nikon, Panasonic, Sony, you know, they're, they're not making exactly the same amount of sales as sort of, you know, cameras were in their heyday. And that's obviously thanks to things like the cell phones and whatnot. But of course, with COVID affecting, you know, economies around the globe, 
uh, people being out of work, uh, unemployment being at record highs. I'm sure that can't help something like, you know, a, a multi-thousand dollar DSLR camera with lenses when, of course, everyone has cell phones. So, uh, you know, let me throw it over to you, panelists, you know, and I'm not going to pick on one person in particular, but, you know, again, what do you think about this? Do you think, in the, I thought about this as sort of like the end of cameras, right? What, what do we do in this sort of future world where, you know, DSLRs are no longer a thing? Or is there going to be enough of a market to continue to propagate the sales of DSLRs in sort of the new economy? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's just like anything else. It's... Uh, DSLRs are here and mirrorless are here. There, there's still a big enough market and, and tons of people using them. Uh, if the technology changes enough that they're not needed, then they're not needed. Um, uh, that's what point we'll, or in a bridge we'll cross when we get there. But right now, um, there is no camera phone that uh, replaces uh, the sensor on uh, a 35 and uh, the interchangeable lenses and, and what those lenses do. And uh, um, they're getting closer and better and uh, and that will change, you know, already you can do amazing things on iPhones and I'm always impressed with the video and, and what you can pull off with an iPhone and, and there have been times where I've taken just a phone and been really surprised with what I've gotten but uh, there's still something with that lens and that I'm getting off of my camera that I have never seen on an iPhone um, so uh, I think we'll have those for some time but uh, just like anything else, you know, certain markets and certain things, it's tough to um, adapt and you know just because Olympus is out of South Korea that doesn't mean Olympus is dead yet they've always they've been they've been teetering on, on a lot of different problems yeah. and they're kind of refocusing on where they're gonna sell but there's a lot of technology coming on it's coming out really quickly when you had you know Sony coming out with you know different versions of the same cameras you know every other year or every year and then you know Nikon coming out with new stuff and Canon coming out with new stuff there's only so much that people are going to buy stuff. And that's why you see, like, even TV trends selling. These TVs last for a long time now. You don't need to buy a new one every year. They aren't that radically uh, advanced, the new generation, so why should I buy, a, you know, another TV for thousands of dollars? It's the same thing with cameras. I have cameras that, you know, people still shoot on, you know, the Canon 5D Mark Ones and get great results. You don't need to buy a new camera every year. And I think people are starting to figure out, well, i got to, I got a cell phone that takes great things, and I have a you know a DSLR that takes great things. Do I need to update to my latest you know body, or do I really need that? And people are starting to go, no, I don't. So they need to advance the technology before they keep selling new cameras. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought about the concept of is you know can the economy support a sort of niche item like you know DSLR, or micro four thirds camera? I mean, obviously for us, we know their power and capability. We use them, you know, obviously for things that. Uh, hopefully make us money and you know give us a living but i wonder though you know how many of the sales of these type of dslr cameras are based off of people like us who actually use them for our job and how many are sort of to the general hobbyist who just wants a little higher quality photography than their their cam cell phone can give them and will sort of the new world economy you know support that kind of i would guess non-essential purchase in a way you know if you have a phone i guess that can take decent family shots is you know are you going to go out and you know spend a few thousand dollars on a dslr i don't know what, what are your thoughts eva i don't know i mean i do i do think this current economy definitely has some challenges for a lot of people i mean i don't think a lot of people are going to go out and buy the latest gadgets if they haven't been able to work for a long time and they might revisit some cameras and i mean for many of my um 
project, I actually shoot large oh, format. Wow. So I like shoot large format and, and 120 film. So I still use a lot of very old mm-hmm. cameras. And um, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking, like, the cameras change so quickly. And there's so much, like, just little tiny differences that I think they will probably just, maybe my thought is, and I'm not very much of a, a gear person, so I don't really know that much about it. But my my idea would be they would just have, like, bigger releases for, like, bigger changes and not have the five models in between them. Um, but maybe work more towards something that would revolutionize the camera in a way, um, whatever that might be. Um, and just like Travis said, there's so many, wow, there's so many cameras that are an older model that still work just magnific- magnificently. Um, and I don't think it definitely is not the end of um, the DSLR yet. That's I think way too early. Right. A lot of people are still. I think the only time we get worried, and uh, either as a photographer and as our jobs are, are in jeopardy, and uh, and is when they actually come up with silent uh, AI enhanced uh, drones. Then then it's all over. We're we're replaced. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just with photography. It's with a whole other whole bunch of other career fields as well that are going to go away. When they enable Skynet, it's all yeah. over. <laughs> no, I thought it was just, you know, again, I, I don't think this uh, signs the death knell of the entire cam industry. But I think, you know, will we be looking five years from now, you know, back on this and say, oh, that was when it started with the end of Olympus in Korea. Yeah, but whoever thought, whoever thought Kodak was going to go know, under. Right? Yeah, the film industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, it kind of made me think, like, how big does a market have to be in order to justify sort of the DSLR market that we have exists now. I mean, if you look at something like RED, right? RED makes very niche cameras for a very tiny fraction of the industry, but they are a huge booming business with regard to, you know, cinema. Of course, now with the cinema industry, who knows what's going on there? But, you know, um, it just made me think, again, how, how big does the DSLR market have to be for, what, Canon, Nikon, Sony, Olympus, Panasonic, you know, I don't know how many other sharp, how many other players are getting in this one pot. You know, it must be big enough now, but will it can make, remain that size? But you you mentioned uh, you know red right there, and and yes, they were revolutionary for a modular system that was amazing and uh, one of the first ones that could really do uh, great stuff in digital. But now you have the Sony Venice system, which is now you know James Cameron committed to you know shooting you know four or five of the, you know, his Avatar films on the Venice mm-hmm. system because it was so advanced and so and the color you know uh, science on it. And so it, red is now you know maybe they're not going to be the company they were, you know, and, and, and Sony's is taking that market from it, the advancements of everything. It, it changes and it just adapts. Uh, I think, you know, just like anything else, there's a lot of camera makers out there. There's a lot of technology and not everybody is, you know, once we're, we're, you know, you had, uh, the pocket camera, you know, is pretty much defunct. You know, the, we everybody was buying pocket cameras, you know, and uh, and having those. But uh, now it's, it was replaced by the, you know, the iPhones and cell phones. And uh, so DSLRs still are a notch above that and have their their place right now. So until technology changes and and, and puts another item out there, I think we're pretty safe that. Uh, you know, camera companies are going to be putting those out. Maybe people aren't buying them quite as much because they pack so much into with these cameras now. But just look at the uh, Sony A7 III, and uh, that camera sold unbelievably for Sony. And that was, you know, not, you know, not even their, you know, the pinnacle like an A9 or an AR, you know, four. Uh, that camera was, uh, you know, 24 all around kind of beast of video and 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 photo all in one, and uh, it just sold so well. So I think it's 
camera companies really just kind of have to figure out what works and uh, and find that niche. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eva, you mentioned you shoot a medium format, but I'm sure you shoot, you know, your DSLR, your media, you know, mirrorless. What do you shoot with uh, normally? I um, so for some of my projects, I shoot exclusively large formats. So I shoot four by five and eight by ten, and then I shoot a Mamiya seven um, for some of the documentary work. And for my freelance photojournalistic work, I shoot uh, Canon um, uh, Mark IV, five D Mark IV. Okay, great. You're you're into Canon. Um, have you considered or looked at the potential of the R5? Um, just like I said, I'm not. I like have a lot of really old gear, mm-hmm. so a lot of my cameras are very are older cameras. Um, so my I'm just I haven't really looked into like any. I'm really happy with the camera. Just it works. It does what it needs to do. Um, and so far, I haven't really looked into much of the newest models and what they might be able to offer me as long as this one is good and mm-hmm. it works and I'm, I'm happy okay well i just noticed <laughs> that you shoot video you have some video projects on or maybe on your website so i'm just curious you know again we're all all chasing the resolution game resolution you know milestones and the r5 is is going to be shooting 8k so you know i don't know if that's something you've considered or looked at or you're perfectly happy with like you said, the camera you have and the, the four, I don't know if you shoot 4K or 1080 to get your work, but um, you know, I don't know if that's a consideration for you. Obviously, you, you care about bitrate because you post your stuff to Vimeo, so you want the highest quality playback of your content. <laughs> uh, but again, you know, are you shooting with the same the same still cameras you're shooting the video? No, um, we actually, I, ha- I run a small production company together with a friend of mine, um, and we do some, um, documentary um film work um mostly social social documentary film work and um we shoot with a, a black magic okay great um which one yeah so, um i have to think which model it is see i'm like actually a very bad real oh, person man. but yeah no um we sh- we shoot with not the latest one but the one before that i forget which um which series that is cool. but yeah, we'll have to bring you back on and talk about drones because it sounds like you'd love to talk about drones. You ever use drones in any of your work? <laughs> we have. Um, I have not operated them at all. No, that's not. I'm not uh, very. I'm not qualified to fly a drone. I would have to practice a lot, I think, before I would qualify <laughs> to do that. <laughs> no, nope, just pick up a DJI. They're very user friendly. Very little experience. It's actually true. They're pretty they easy themselves. to get a hang of. Really? Pretty much, yeah. It's it, you. You'd be so impressed. Like you know, it, within minutes, you'd be like, "Oh, this is fun." Honestly, they're 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 they take off on themselves. They land themselves. They have you know. They hover by themselves. I mean, just they're they're really to get the finesse of using them properly in filming and stuff like that. It takes a little finesse, but to get it up and just flying and bring it down, it's actually kind of pretty easy. Yeah, it's actually very easy. <laughs> it's so easy. It's dangerous. That's the problem. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We'll have to try All right, we got we got a sale right there. We'll make sure you get that commission <laughs> check, Travis. Um, but luckily, she's not in the U.S., so she you know there's no possible uh, them pulling out a uh, you know DJI you know patent know, right? infringements with the uh, hotel. Yeah, that's, that's a rough one. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our last topic this week. I wanted to again address what we can and can't shoot 
um, during sort of this COVID pandemic. Um, you know, I've got some kind of things here. Uh, you know, again, you know, I was looking at kind of what you were shooting, Eva, and I was thinking about, you know, the kind of topics you can go to and cover. And so kind of give us a little rundown of where, where you're at with regard to, you know, your prod, you, your ability to work in your projects, if you don't mind. No, of course. Um, so I actually, I was living in the U.S. for the last five years. We, I was living in Savannah, Georgia. And so I moved to Brussels, Belgium um, on the 9th of March. And then we went and quarantined the 11th of March. So it's been very interesting. So we um, really went into quarantine basically right away we got here. Um, that really, I mean, all my jobs got canceled. A lot of meetings I had were switched over to Zoom, and a lot of assignments were uh, put on break for now. And so I actually i am a member of Women Photograph. Um, this is a collective, I don't know if you're familiar, it started by Danielle Zalkman, um, and there's a big project within the collective that's called The Journal, where we photograph, it's over 400 female photographers, the, um, the journal is started by Shabot Smiths and Hannah Yoon, and so we get prompts and assignments and people photograph in themes or within their group. And so that's really been a very interesting, interesting exercise because I work as a freelance photojournalist and I do a lot of long-term documentary work. So when some of that falls away and you get a prompt that is take, you know, document, like make a self-portrait or do document your life that brings out interesting creative energy that um wasn't it was it felt good to photograph things that were a little different and maybe see how i could incorporate some of the work i've done into other work that i have been making for the past years um however i am excited to start um start up some of the projects again work on some of the stuff um, that i've been working on for the past years but for now that has been um, a really wonderful avenue to take to work together with 400 other photographers and see their work and be inspired by it. Uh, it's been very empowering. And is this something you've been able to do despite the kind of COVID lockdown or is it something you'll have to wait till after the COVID lockdown is complete before you can really engage with? No, it's been, um, so it started basically when the lockdown mm -hmm. started. And so um, they, every, all the photographers are in different groups. And so you're in a group of nine people and so you con you're in constant contact oh, with great. them um, about um, the topic that this week has or just in general about what people are feeling like. Um, that week and so it's interesting because you're in a group with people that are living in Africa people that are living in the US in Europe in Asia you have all these different perspectives coming together and how and you can see how other people are making contact or content or reacting to a prompt and that is super fascinating it's very very inspiring and also keeps you keep at least for me it kept made me feel very grounded and made me feel like okay I'm using my camera even if like my assignments went from I don't know 10 a week to two a week which but now I also can do other things that 
um, maybe redirect some of the work I've been doing and maybe rethink some of it. And obviously, I, especially here in Belgium, you do feel like people are opening up again and things are slowly, um, yeah, businesses are opening and people are slowly just kind of trying to return to a more normal way of life. So it'll be interesting to see how we come out of this as uh, freelance photographers. Follow-up question on this. Uh, it, it, this is such a historic, momentous uh thing that we're you know the, the covid and the pandemic that we're all going through at one point and that's not, i mean in our lives that's never happened where we're all kind of suffering the same thing globally uh, how are you in this finding your own voice as a storyteller that uh, have you been creating something personal to it uh, have you been uh, trying to you know because anything as storytellers we leave now kind of goes into the uh, the the archives and, and is very important right now or have you found a, like a personal project in this or have been shooting or are you just sort of like absorbing as normal or or have you thought about that yeah so i've been i've actually been photographing um my home a lot so just moving to a different place and photographing myself and all the other women within my family so i photograph my um my grandmother who i um who i deliver food to every day and who doesn't come out of her house so um i photograph her and her just like through her windows and um from like just kind of far away in the garden um, yeah, it's been I, interesting I because that. I've, thank you. I, um, I haven't, yeah, I haven't been home for such a long time. And in Belgium, it's a very small country. People are very closely knit in their families. And so having, being able to spend time with her without really being really close to her, um, has been really interesting. And just thinking about, she's, she's in her eighties, so she's older and thinking about what that must feel like and not really going for walks or going to the grocery store or seeing anybody and just her and her rose garden it's it's really yeah it's just been an interesting way of finding a project or like just making work that I, I means something to, say, I mean, to that, me personally yeah. that's Sorry. that's exactly I mean I, I am so inspired and so thankful that you know you as an artist are doing that because I think a, a lot of us as photographers you know get caught up into like oh my god I'm not getting a paycheck or I'm not you know this is frightening but this is a rare moment where you know every voice in the way we're experiencing it personally and our, our vision on that is so important to capture right now that uh, even though you may be going hard times you need to take advantage of this moment and, and document it, whether it's you know like you said you know those moments or being at home and, and maybe being fearful or, or you need to add you know as an artist your story and I'm so glad that you're doing that yeah it's a it's like a great like something that you can do uh in you know in the midst of this pandemic that isn't going to harm anyone it's probably going to be something that you can easily do within a stay-at-home type of confinement situation so yeah that's what i was kind of thinking like where are these things we can cover and so if i were in this sort of situation where i couldn't move i would probably be you know maybe taking my camera with me and documenting things i see on the walk to the store or you know again shooting things where i can keep a distance from people and, and sort of as we sort of see restrictions uh, lighten up in these states and other places you know that obviously often uh, offers more uh, options but you still need to be safe still need to keep your distance but just always keep your camera on you look for things you know some of the things i mentioned here were things like environmentalism nature you know subjects that don't have a lot of people in them uh, you know i think eva you you know 
have a, a great body of work here that really emphasizes environmentalism. It seems to be a topic you're very passionate about. Um, you know, looking at something like the farms, right? The farms still have to keep on producing food. You know, they're an essential activity. You know, and, and covering a farm is probably one of the uh, safest things you can do. You're out there, and, and for the most part, you're pretty far and distant from you know most of your subject, I would think. Right, Eva? Or, you know, and obviously you're getting close certain times, but, you know, a lot of it's just exploratory work of the environment. Yeah, I think so. I think most of, well, that obviously is maybe now a little challenge because some states had travel mm. bans, for example. So you wouldn't be able to travel to certain places in Belgium. You couldn't go out at, even if you had an essential, like only if you would go to the grocery store, deliver food or go to the pharmacy or go to the doctor. So you know, that maybe you know, puts some sort of limitation on it. But if you're working outside and you're documenting, let's say, um, documenting farmers or documenting people working in um, working outside or working in the environmental field, I think you could definitely do that in a safe way if you take precaution. Um, and you see a lot of photographers out there and sharing what they're doing and sharing um, how they protect themselves and having helpful tips and asking questions to one another and that feels it feels really great to have you know to go out on an assignment and think okay um how can i best protect myself and have this you know see different photographers either on online or personal connection um share what they're bringing to assignments to keep themselves safe and even how they're doing reinventing portrait shoots like doing them through glass or having uh, people, you know, bringing different lenses and what lenses work best or just any of those things. I think um, we are very, just humans are very resilient and we always find ways to, to solve a problem. And I feel like this COVID crisis has really shown that, that people are very resourceful and they find ways to do what they need to do. Um, obviously, in some cases, that's not as evident, but a lot of people are really um, just rising up to the challenge and really pushing themselves. Or sending your camera and a tripod through the mail and operating everything through a Zoom call, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's, that's going to end this week's show. Eva, where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Um, that's my full name, Eva Verbeek. And um, you can look me up on my website. Um, that is www.evaverbeek.com. Great. And we'll make sure to include all those nice. links in the show notes. And I did want to mention, you know, womenphotograph.com. Excellent website. It's where I found almost all the guests who are on the show this year, this season in particular. And so, again, I think it's a wonderful organization and glad to have found you as part of that. And a lot of great talent on there. So, yeah, go check that out as well if you're looking for some you know, great talent. All right. Uh, Travis, anything for us before we sign off tonight? No, uh, as always, please, if, uh, if you like what you, you've heard and uh, you want to keep the conversation going, and if you uh, have some pointers uh, of stuff you'd like to see on future episodes, please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, uh, and we're always uh, looking to continue the conversation offline. Indeed. Thank you. And, of course, go to aroundthelens.com to find links to all of our topics this evening, all of our show notes, as well as all of our social media links. And, of course, most importantly, of course, our Patreon link. That's that's where we make that sweet, sweet green money. 
Uh, Patreon.com slash Around the Lens. Go over there if you want to contribute to the show financially and, um, you know, get everything we do a week earlier. So, and I know, of course, money's tight. So if you can't commit this week, I totally understand. But next week, no. Of course, whenever. But one of these days we'll be able to afford two Starbucks caramel macchiatos. So we're looking forward to yes, that day. Indeed, that's the most important thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you, Eva, so much for taking time out to be on it. I really appreciate it. All right. For Travis Keys, I'm David J. Murphy. This has been Around the Lens, episode 226, and we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com. <laughs>